Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. Tonight or today, the title of my message is Be a Witness. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Be a Witness. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for your word today. I thank you that every single person here will be impacted by your word, that they, God, will have a desire to speak, to be a witness. I thank you that you will give them, Holy Spirit, the words to say, and that they will have boldness in the name of Jesus. You could be seated. So to be a witness means to testify of who God is. Can anybody in this house testify of the goodness of God? Come on. Can anybody speak today on the merit of who God is in your life? Can anybody right now say that God has been good to you? Come on, has God been good to you? Has God been good to your family? Has God been good to your church? Come on, he has. Has God been faithful in this region? Have you seen the goodness of God? Come on, church. This is being a witness of what God has done. Your very life is a witness of the works of the power of Jesus that has worked in your life. What he did 2,000 years ago when he gave his life for you, when he died and when he rose again, that same power is in you. You are a witness of that power. You are a witness of the gospel, the good news that you no longer have to be dead, but you can be alive. You no longer have to be a slave, but you can be free. You no longer have to be bound to the things of this world or to the system of this world, but you can live according to a new kingdom, a new way, because Jesus is that way. Jesus is that truth and he is that life. You have been awakened or enlightened to know the truth of God through his word, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's not only through his word, but it's also through the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you that when you got saved, there was an inward work that changed you. And what did it change? It changed your spirit. It didn't change your flesh. It didn't change your body, but it changed your spirit. Your spirit is now new and created through Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away, behold, you are new or a new creature, a new creation. You have a new nature, and that is within your spirit. Say my spirit. So because of this inward change, what God has given through us through salvation, through the new birth, through being born again, we have something to share. We have something to be a witness about. We have something to testify about. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, and it said, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, say go. Now, he's talking to the disciples here, but he's also talking to us, amen? He's talking to us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, say teaching them, 
Come on, we have to teach. You have to be taught. This is why it's so important for you to be in the house of God. It's not about just showing up, but it's about being taught the word of God. We are living in a time where people do not have any knowledge and truth within them. They have opinions because they get their opinions from Facebook. They get it from a YouTube video. They get it from a podcast, but they don't even have the word of God within them. So whenever something comes against them, whenever a trial or a circumstance comes, they easily get defeated. They easily fall because there's no solid foundation of God's word within their life. This is why it's so important for you to be under the fivefold gifts that God has put in his church, which is an apostle, which is a pastor, which is a teacher, which is a prophet. What's the last one? Apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, and evangelist. Thank you. This is why God has put them in his church, for you to be edified, for you to be built up, to you to come to the unity of faith, being edified and built up in God's word to become mature in Christ. There is development in Christianity. You must grow. You must develop. We all started out like babies. We all started out drinking some milk. But as you grow and as you grow through your years, you begin to develop. But can I tell you, God can only take you as far as you're willing to grow. God is only able to cause you to be built and to be edified through you pursuing after his word. And I'm talking about pursuing the knowledge and the understanding of his word. Today, do you seek truth? Do you seek to know God? Can I tell you that it's only found in his word? It's not found anywhere else. This is why he's given his church. So that you, me, and everyone around us can grow. Go and make disciples. What is a disciple? A follower of Christ. How do you know someone's a follower of Christ? There is fruit that is bared or is shown within their life. They bear fruit. How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? You see apples. I have a big lemon tree by my house on the side of it. And can I tell you that it's a lemon tree? You know how I know it's a lemon tree? There's some big lemons on it. And there's even little green ones, which we call them what? Limes. Now, they're not to that yellow look yet. They're not big and juicy. But at the moment, they're just limes. And this is because they haven't become fully matured or fully developed, fully grown yet. See, there is fruit that is evident within your life because of being a disciple of Christ. Can you look at your life right now and see evidence of God's work within your life? If you can say no, that is because you do not have a personal relationship with him. And that's not to guilt you, but that is to say it's time to get to that place. You got to get to him. You got to get in his word. You need to be in the house of God. You need to come to our pursuit. You need to be engaged and involved. You need to be committed so that you can develop and grow. If you're not committed to a process, you will never see the consistency of that word or that truth work in your life. How is the truth consistent in your life is when you commit to it. You want to see the consistency of God's word in your life? Commit to it. Commit to it. Then you will see his word Work, you will see the evidence of that word or the fruit of that word in your life. See, it says, go, therefore, and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, all that I have commanded you. 
We know that when Jesus started teaching them in Matthew chapter 5 and the Beatitudes, when he was teaching the disciples, he was teaching them how to live after he left. It wasn't just for salvation, but it was to teach them how to have an attitude of a disciple. You should take some time and read the Beatitudes. It will help you and teach you how to live, how to think, how to walk, and how to be. And it says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, you have been given authority as Jesus' witnesses. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, not actual serpents and scorpions, but this is spiritual. These are demonic forces. God has given you authority and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nothing shall hurt me. So when a demonic attack comes, when a spiritual attack comes, you're saying nothing shall hurt me? Well, how is this? Because you have authority in Jesus. This is what his word says. And nothing shall hurt you. Why? Because you have been given authority. So if you are being hurt by demonic or spiritual attack, that's because you have not taken your place and authority that Christ has given you. This is what his word says. So if you are being demonically beaten up or spiritually beaten up, that's a better way of saying it, if you are constantly in a state within your mind, well, that is it right there. You're living in your mind. Can I tell you that you have changed? You are no longer a fleshly being. No, you are a spirit being. Your very state or your nature has changed. Your spirit was dead, but now it's alive. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant me, say me, to be strengthened with power through his spirit, big S, the Holy Spirit, So we're strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being or in your little s, spirit. So where are you strengthened at? In your spirit by the Holy Spirit. So there means that there is a Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God who is part of the triune being. He is part of the Trinity. He is on this earth. Remember, Jesus had to leave this earth so that the Holy Spirit or the comforter, which the Greek word is the paraclete, which is the guide, he can guide you into all truth. He is with us. But you have a spirit as well. Little less. Or inner man, inner being, inner voice. So don't get mistaken by the Holy Spirit and your own personal spirit. In a second, we're going to go through the differences. And it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So how does Christ dwell in our heart? Through belief. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Who's a saint? Come on, are you a saint today? Yep, lift your hand. You're a saint. What is the breadth and length, the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? His love surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How many want to be in the fullness of God? How many want to be filled in the fullness of God, with the fullness of God? 
Can I tell you that it comes from a state of love? And that love is only found in Christ. And it surpasses all your knowledge and understanding. So when I look at people today, when I look at you, the best way I can possibly look at you is through the eyes of Jesus. It's through his blood. It's through that love. So I don't see you just for what I know to be about you. Now look, I may know you, and I may know what you do. I may have certain facts about you. I may know your story, but I don't see you through just that human natural knowledge but I see you through the spiritual revelation that God has given me. I see you as a saint. I see you as a brother and sister in the Lord. And it says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that's working in you. So again, I said you have been given authority or power as Jesus' witnesses. Right here it says, according to the power at work within you. There is power that's working in you. And what is that power? Well, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and set him at the right hand of the Father. That's some big power right there. It's in you. So why is sickness dominating you? Why is mental illness dominating you, defeating you? Why is a little bit of lack defeating you and putting you to shame? Why is your inability and weaknesses in the areas where you're unskilled, telling you that you're not good enough. It's because you haven't submitted yourself yet to the Spirit of God and to the work of His Spirit within your life. So how can I be a witness of the goodness of God when me, myself, is constantly being defeated? And this is what stops men and women proclaiming the good news because they are constantly living in a place of defeat. And so when they try to talk to someone about Jesus, rather than feeling bold and confident and knowing what's working in them, they feel guilty and shameful because of what they did the day before or what they've been dealing with and they can't get out of it. But can I tell you that even in your midst of your problems, you're supposed to still minister. You're still supposed to be bold. You're still supposed to be a lion. It doesn't matter what you're doing through. It doesn't matter if you're a lion the day before. Come to the throne room of God, ask forgiveness, repent, and turn from it. And you might have to do it a thousand times a week. Can I get an amen? You're going to get free from it. And literally, you already are free. You're just going to have to come to the realization and understanding that you're free. Amen? So everywhere we go, we are being a witness. Now, this story of Ananias, Ananias was an ordinary man. He wasn't an apostle. He was not a prophet. He was not a pastor. He wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't an elder or a deacon. No place of leadership. Yet God used him because he was an ordinary man. See, if an apostle or prominent person had ministered to Saul, people might have said that Paul received his gospel from a man instead of Jesus. In the same way, God uses this certain disciple, and there is work for them to be done. There is work for you to be done. See, Ananias was obedient. He knew the Father's voice. He was willing to go. He even questioned God on it. If we read and you go back to verse 13 in chapter 9, it says in Acts, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints. So we know that Saul, or Paul we know as, but he was Saul before he turned into Paul, before his name changed. 
before he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Before that, Saul persecuted Christians. And Ananias is telling the Lord here that I've heard about this man, how much evil he has done. And he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And this is what the Lord said. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. And he begins to tell Ananias what God is going to, or what he is going to use Paul for. He begins to reassure him, no, Paul's changed. And he gives him the same vision that he gave Paul. And it says this, so Ananias departed and entered the house. So that means he was obedient. He said, you know what? I'm going to trust in the word of the Lord. I'm going to trust that what God has spoken to me today, that is true. But that same word or that same vision that God showed up to Ananias, can I tell you that God has given you his word? God has given you his promise. For what? To be a witness about it. To share it. To proclaim it. To speak it out. To testify of it. The Bible says, how do you overcome? By the word of of your testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Your testimony of, is what of Jesus has done in your life, of his power that's working in your life. See, the word witness means this, to testify, to act as a legal witness of, to give proof, to bear witness, to bear witness. You are bearing witness of that truth. And that truth is of God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that whoever will believe in him shall not go to hell, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Come on. That's the gospel. And you are bearing witness of this to people around you. Now, what if Paul would have turned away and said, now, you're not going to put your hands on me. Because this is where us as believers, where we stop being a witness. We decide that, what if they tell me no? What if they don't listen? But the reality is, it doesn't matter if they listen or not. The importance is if you plant a seed within them. What if you don't say a thing to them? What if they never hear? Do you really have that much pride when it goes to talking to someone about Jesus? Let all pride go. Have humility, saying, God, you know what? I got nothing to lose. Because the reality is, the worst that could happen is someone cuss you out or telling you they don't want to hear that. Who cares? You were still the light. You were still the voice that God called you to be. But what would happen if they listened? What would happen if that person said, you don't know how much I needed this? What would happen if that person right there in the spot said, I want to know Jesus? Church, this is who we are called to be. See, we are showing God, or we are showing who God is through the way we speak and through the way we live. How do you be a witness? Everyday basis, how do we do it? The way you speak, the way you live. The people at your job know you're a Christian. Now, I'm not talking about you have to go put a sticker on your head that says, I'm a Christian. 
or I have to wear a shirt, you're going to hell. No, that's not what I'm saying. You don't have to get weird about it. Don't have to get weird. Look, we've got a lot of weird stuff in Christianity. Let's just be honest. We've got people that go on the sides of roads, have little signs, and it doesn't do anything. It's, just, it's foolishness. Can I get an amen? No, but the way you speak and the way you live. The Bible says to love God with your whole heart, with your mind, and your soul. When you do this, love will be demonstrated through the way you live and speak. When you have a personal relationship with God, that same glory that you experience in the presence of God will be on you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we know that there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which he comes in you, which happens through the new birth. And then there is a baptism of fire or of the Holy Ghost that comes through the Holy Spirit coming upon you. So there's two different works of the Holy Spirit, an inward work and an outward work. And it says, for what reason? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, and to the ends of the earth. Now we take this and it's the same for us. We are a witness because of this power. This, the Bible calls that word power, deutimus, the strength of the ability, something that supersedes your own ability, your own strength. You can only do so much. Can I get an amen? But when you have the power of the Holy Ghost on your life and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and you have the fire of God come upon you, or that baptism of the Holy Ghost, where do I get the fire from? Well, John said that there is one who will come that will not only, or that will baptize you. I baptize you in water, but he will come and baptize you with fire. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And we see in John chapter 14 and in John 16, the promise of the Holy Spirit to come, which is the comforter, the guide. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12, it says this, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How do we put to death the deeds of the body? By the Spirit, capital S, by the Holy Spirit. So today... If you are living or if you are being dominated, if you are constantly living in defeat, then this word is saying that you're probably living according to your flesh. But it says right here, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh. For we have an obligation to live according to the Spirit. And in this verse, right after verse 14, it says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Ananias was led in that vision by God to go to Paul. He was led. Therefore, he is a son of God because he could hear or he could recognize God. Today, you are sons of God. All of us were sons of God. Come on. And we are led by the Spirit of God. See, Paul tells us that not only are we saved by the work of the Spirit, but we also must walk by the Spirit. 
if we want to grow, if we want to pursue holiness in the Lord. We cannot be like some among the Galatians who thought that they could begin in the spirit, but then find spiritual perfection through the flesh. You will not find perfection in the flesh. Can I get an amen? Your flesh is weak. Your flesh has and wants nothing to do with your spirit that's been changed. How does the Holy Spirit lead you? We are led by his guidance. We are led by his drawing. We are led by his governing authority. And see, and as we cooperate with this leading, you have to cooperate. Can I get an amen? How many have never cooperated or have not cooperated sometimes? Definitely. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. <laughs> you're lying right now. Come on, you've cooperated with that flesh before. See, we have to cooperate with the leading. Where does the Holy Spirit lead you? He leads you into repentance. He leads you to think little of yourself and much of Jesus. He leads you into truth. The Spirit of God or the Spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. He leads you into love. He leads you into holiness. See, your spirit has changed. Your spirit's changed. Now, we got to get to a place before we're led by the Holy Spirit to understand that our identity is no longer in our flesh but in our spirit. And this is where I want to focus for the rest of the message on. Your identity is not in your flesh. Now, what does this mean? Well, your flesh, if we can just get through this, is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your feelings. Have you ever had that idea in your mind and said, I don't feel God? Have you ever felt that before? Definitely. I felt that. Can I tell you that we don't live by feeling? There's been times when I've gotten on stage where I didn't feel the power of God. I didn't feel that spectacular, that supernatural. But we don't live by feeling. We live according to God's word. It's not the spectacular that we're going after. Now, sometimes you will experience that. You will experience the supernatural. But can I tell you that's not every moment? And just because you don't feel it, that doesn't mean that God has left you. That doesn't mean that he's not with you. Because feeling is not a good indicator if God is with you or not. Feeling is not a good indicator if you're saved or not. Come on. I know you felt that way before. Where you didn't feel God maybe throughout the week. And you're like, man, maybe I lost my salvation. What am I doing wrong? Am I not praying the right way? No, just keep on pursuing. Keep on just pushing forward, pressing. Because we don't live according to feeling. We live by the Spirit. Now, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And then you got your spirit, which people call your conscience or your intuition or the inner voice. And this is little's S. This is what was changed when you got saved. See, in John chapter 3, verse 5, this is Nicodemus talking to Jesus. And Jesus is helping him understand about the new birth or being born again. Because Nicodemus did not understand this. And in John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, 
unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So essentially this means this, to have a new life. You have a new life in the Spirit. You're new. A theological term is called regeneration. It isn't simply a moral or religious term, but it's the bringing of new life. To belong to the heavenly kingdom, one must be born into it. When you got saved, when you got born again, you were born into a new kingdom. Amen? Jesus said this, that unless one is born again, he cannot enter or be a part of or see the kingdom of God. So moral reform or religious reform is not enough. One must be born again. This isn't something that you can do yourself, amen? If Jesus had said, unless you are washed, you cannot see the kingdom of God, then you might think, well, I can wash myself. A man might wash himself but he can never birth himself. Can I get an amen? All over the New Testament, you see this idea of being rebirth. You see it in 1 Peter. 1 Peter speaks of being born anew or born again by God's great mercy. 1 Peter speaks of being born again from an imperishable seed. That's 1 Peter 1, 22 to 23. I'm just going to give you some scripture. James speaks of God bringing us forth by the word of truth. That's James 1.18. Titus speaks of us, or to us, of the washing of regeneration. That's Titus 3.5. Romans speaks of dying with Jesus and rising again. And that's Romans 6, chapter 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians speaks of new believers as newborn babes. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 2. And 2 Corinthians speaks of us being a new creature or new creation in Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Galatians says that in Jesus we are a new creation. That's Galatians 6, 15. Ephesians says the new man is created after God in righteousness. That's Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Hebrews says at the beginning of our Christian life we are like children. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. So we have to understand that when you receive Jesus, you have been born again. And where did this change or transformation happen? Was it in your flesh? No. Which is your soul? No. Your soul is still living according to this world. Your soul or your flesh or your mind. There's a reason why multiple times within Scripture you see set your mind on things above. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind, which could be your flesh or your soul. See, your even physical body didn't change. Your appearance. When you got saved, did you change? No. Do you have some halo on your head? Do you have the, the glory of God on you? Are you shining bright? Maybe you feel better. But it was because your spirit changed. See, that which is born of the flesh is flesh means this. Without the new birth of the spirit, the flesh taints all work of righteousness. Yet everything that a spirit-led person does 
can be pleasing to God. In this flesh is included every part of that which is born after the ordinary method of generation. Even the spirit of man, which, receptive as it is of the spirit of God, is yet in the natural birth dead. Suck and trespasses in sin. Before you got saved, you're dead. You're dead. So anyone that is not a believer or a Christian, they are spiritually dead. So before you receive Christ, spiritually speaking, you're dead. Your spirit is dead. This is why when Scripture says you were made alive in Christ, where were you made alive at? In your spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, it says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even, even when we were dead in our trespasses or sin, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So, even when you were dead in sin, he made you alive together with Christ. So, in Christ you are alive when you believed in your heart and confessed your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life, at that moment you were born again. And the inward work of the Holy Spirit worked in your life. And now you have been regenerated or made new in Christ. I know this is teaching, but I want you to understand this because where I'm going next. So your nature has changed in Christ. You are a new person, a new man. Your spirit, say my spirit, has changed. So salvation happened in your spirit. Salvation happened in your spirit. Again, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Ephesians 4.24. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.10. And to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You are being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator who is God. So we must identify, so if salvation happened in our spirit, not in our soul, not in our body, then we must identify with our spirit. This is what I'm getting to. You identify with your spirit that has been changed, that is alive, it is not dead. So your spirit is where you live out of. We don't live according to your mind, but to the spirit that has been changed. Your identity is no longer in your flesh. You are a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. The Bible says in Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So when you got saved, yes, your spirit was saved, but your soul or flesh, it's going to take some renewing every day. So why do you still have the same thoughts? Why do you still have lustful thoughts? Why do you still want to cuss? Why do you still want to live according to the things of this world? Why do you still fall under that depression? Why do you still get to a place where it's opposite of what God's word says? That's, that's what it is, right? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel down? Why do I feel lonely? Why do I have this going on in my life? Why is my reaction, rather than being God's word, 
being my flesh. Well, because you have flesh that has to be renewed through the word of God. And this is where you have to understand that your personality can change. Your character can develop and grow. People make the excuse, well, that's just who I am. If you live according to your flesh, then you're right. But you have been changed in your spirit and now called to live according to your spirit and to submit your flesh to the spirit. You got to put your flesh under subjection to the spirit. And how do you do this? By renewing your mind through the word of God. You are no longer what you see in the mirror. You are no longer what you think about yourself. You are no longer what people tell you you are from your past. When my dad got saved, he was an alcoholic, a drug addict, and probably everything in between that I don't know about. And people from his past knew him as that man. And when they would see him a few years later, like, you ain't the same person. And they were right. He wasn't. His personality changed. His character changed because his nature changed through the Spirit or by the Word of God in his Spirit. This is why it's so important for you to live according to the Spirit of God. Romans 8.16 says this, and I'm, I'm closing. Yeah. We'll get to the other stuff later. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So notice this, Romans 8, 16, the spirit or the Holy Spirit, big S, himself bears witness with your spirit, little s, that we are children of God. So how do I know I'm a child of God? His spirit or the Holy Spirit bears witness to your spirit, not in your mind, not in the flesh, because if you're searching and seeking out God through your flesh, you're not going to know truth. It's going to be flawed. It's going to be tainted, like I just said. It's going to be distracted. It's going, to, it's going to be muddied because you are seeing yourself through the eyes of your flesh. But no, it says that his spirit bears witness with your spirit, that inner man, or that, sorry, that inner voice. The Holy Spirit is also re- referenced as that inner man. So you have an inner man who is the Holy Spirit, but then you have an inner voice, which is your spirit. And it says, and if children then you are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Say, I'm a child of God. We're talking about being a witness because we can't be a witness of who God is or what he's done if we don't understand who we are in him. See, your spirit and your soul are different. Let me prove it to you. Because as Christians, we fall in this category and try to say our spirit and soul are the same. They're not. In James chapter 1, James, this book of James was written to the church. It was written to the church and not to unbelievers. So reading it in this context, we have to understand that the letter of James was written to the church. And in verse 21, it says this. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive, say receive, with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your what? Soul. Hold on. These are Christians. They're in the church. They're already saved. But he's saying receive with meekness 
the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So what is he saying here? There is a continuation of renewing your mind or your soul or getting your flesh to the place of where your spirit is. See, we have to live in a place of what's changed in us. But too often we live, we go back or revert back to that flesh because it's comfortable. Because in order to live according to the spirit and walk in the spirit and be led by the spirit, you must have fellowship with the spirit of God. You must have a relationship within, with God. It's an ongoing process for your soul or your mind or your flesh to be renewed and saved. Can I get in hallelujah? <laughs> so don't feel guilty or bad today. Don't feel bad if this weekend you did something you weren't supposed to. Don't feel bad if you're still falling in the habitual sin that is dominating you or you're constantly having weakness. Amen. No, receive with meekness, the engrafted word or the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Hallelujah. This is good. You mean I don't have to live guilty? You mean I don't have to live full of shame? No, I can live freely, live in liberty. It says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Now, you might not be experiencing freedom, but get to that place where the spirit of God is, and you will. That means maybe you need to change some habits. That means maybe you need to discipline yourself. Wake up every morning, not going to your phone, not turning the TV on, but get into that word of God, listening and talking to God, praying. That maybe you need to do that throughout the day. You need to take your lunch break, and instead of gossiping and talking to your coworkers about how you don't like your job, you don't like your boss, all these things, no, you need to get into the place where you just pray and talk to God. God, I thank you that I make my request made known to you. God, you know what's going on in this job. I'm having difficulty, but show me how to be thankful. Show me how to be able to continue on throughout the day, how to love my neighbor, how to love my boss, how to love the employees. At night, same thing. Do your kids experience God with you at night? Turn everything off around 7 or 8 p.m. Guys, turn all the electronics off. Let's get in the living room. Let's just pray for 15 minutes. What's 15 minutes when we could take a two-hour time in a movie? This is their soul we're talking about. It's important because we are here to be a witness of what God is doing and what he has done. Why do we have to be a witness? Because it will bring transformation to people. It will bring light to people. It will bring them to Jesus. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light, say my light. See, you got to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? The Father who is in heaven. Let that light shine. You got to let it shine. You got to be a witness. You got to be a voice. Every single one of you. All of us. And I just now told you, it doesn't matter 
if you're still sinning, if you're still making mistakes. No, see yourself in the spirit. Your soul's getting saved continuously, daily. Renew your mind. Don't allow the guilt and the shame of sin to stop you from being a witness. Push through. You're a work in progress. Can I get an amen? That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you to a place where you're choked up. That seed that's been put in your heart, that God's put in you, it can't produce any fruit. It can't do nothing. That's what he wants to do. And if you're not careful, you'll let him do it. Maybe some of you have already let him do that. Today, can I tell you that the power of the Holy Ghost is here to make evident of his work in our life, to make evident of God's word in our life. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation. See, this world's crook. This world is corrupted. That's why you're here. Thank God you've been awakened and come alive to the revelation and understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. Hallelujah. You're not dead anymore. This is why people can't understand why you believe and do what you do. Because they haven't come to the realization of who Jesus is yet. They see Jesus as a sitcom on TV. They see a church person as what a movie portrays or what social media portrays. And can I tell you, and we all know that when you see how the church and the Christian life is portrayed in news and every other, other, every other aspect, it's not true. Today, we are the church. Not only will this affect you individually, but this will affect the corporate body. Because when I see myself through the spirit of God and understand my identity is through found in the spirit that's been changed, it will cause fruit to be evident within my life. And this is what I'm setting up for next week. I'm gonna talk about being led by the spirit of God and what it looks like to walk in them. Fruit's gonna be evident. And it's going to affect you individually. It's going to affect corporately the house, the church, the body. And it's going to affect our community. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.